Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey there, Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. He's at home in Connecticut. I'm in a hotel room in New York City uh, doing studio work for CBS Sports Network. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet, subscribe to that YouTube channel. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, honestly, I feel like at this point, if you haven't done it, you're probably not going to. So we maybe start skipping that part. But like, I'm, I'm following instructions. Please, if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Let's get into it. The NCAA Division I Transformation Committee on Tuesday officially recommended, you probably read, uh, allowing 25% of teams in sports with at least 200 schools to compete in championship events, among them, the NCAA tournament. There are 363 Division I men's basketball teams. So what that suggests is a 90-team NCAA tournament. But, uh, Norlander, as you pointed out on Twitter, just because the NCAA tournament uh, might soon be allowed to expand to 90 teams doesn't mean it will expand to 90 teams. So why don't we start with you explaining exactly what this development does and does not mean. Good morning, GP. Hello to everyone. Thanks for watching. Click again, like and subscribe if you can, if you have not already. If you're listening afterward and you want to go ahead and do that. All right. So, yeah, Tuesday was a long awaited day just in terms of 2022 was the year when the Transformation Committee met on almost a weekly basis and talked about a whole bunch of stuff. And while the initial belief of that committee was that it would potentially bring Wholesale changes to the nature of what it even meant to be uh, a Division One institution and what Division One high major college athletics look like. That's really not what happened and transpired on Tuesday. And there are definitely people around college athletics that are a little let down and certainly underwhelmed by what uh, what did happen. Um, I think context with all this is also very important. So we're obviously going to talk about the recommendation to allow sports to expand their championship tournaments. But in talking to people last fall and even this week, um, a couple of them have been pointed to note that while this is certainly a recommendation and it is part of it, it is there. So much of the energy and time and discussion of what the transformation transformation committee was doing throughout 2022 didn't really have a lot to do with expanding postseason championships. So this is part of it, but if for anyone that's seeing these headlines and thinking this was like the predominant talking point, it might have taken up 5% of the committee's total energy of what they discussed all of last year. So just keep that context in mind there. And I do have what we're going to talk about here is the lead item of 
the court report this week, um, my notebook. So I think we'll be able to get that into the podcast description as well, because I think the court report's going to go live as we literally podcast on this. So the most important piece of context, I think, is that just because the Transformation Committee suddenly wrote that, you know, Division One sports with more than 200 participants have the ability, and we might even recommend expanding to postseason fields as, with as much as 25% of your membership, it, it, it doesn't mean like suddenly this new door has been opened. For, let's focus, obviously, on college basketball, men's college basketball, the, what this podcast is mostly all about. Shouts to Camel Fighting, Dodo Birds, and Leaky Black. The, the selection committee, which in Division One Men's Basketball Committee, which holds the most power in this, it, is, it has always had the option to expand. In many years, it has expanded from you know the, the late 60s until 1985. It expanded incrementally and with regularity. And then obviously we went from uh, we went from 64 for almost two decades, went to 65 teams once the Mountain West came into form and they didn't want to give up in that large bid. And then obviously there was the, uh, the great 68 compromise uh, back in the late 2000s. 2011 was the first 68 team field. And since then, there have been opportunities for the tournament to expand, but as my court report piece states, and I spoke with a number of sources across the industry, both this week and in recent months, there has never, even though the opportunity has been there and there have been like informal discussions, it's never seriously ever been considered. So just because the transformation committee is putting it out there and it will shine a big spotlight on men's college basketball because of this, it doesn't mean that it is going to happen, should happen, needs to happen. In fact, I would argue, based on my sourcing, there are a lot of powerful people at the NCAA who do not want the NCAA tournament to expand. There are powerful power brokers involved in the nature of putting on this tournament, even outside of the NCAA, that aren't eager to see this tournament expand and very much like it at its 68-team format with the bracket the way it is, three weeks, three weekends, and so on and so forth. Uh, I don't think the tournament is going to expand. So while the, the headline and certainly not expand massively, I don't think that's happening and not anytime soon and not before minimally the TV contract with CBS Sports and formerly Turner Sports is now Warner Brothers Discovery Sports. That goes until 2032. Um, I, I frankly would be stunned if it, we got to 88, 90 teams in the next decade. I don't, I don't think we're going to expand at all anytime soon. I do think... You know, ground is plowed decades in advance, right? In the 1980s, like the college football playoff, that's not run by the NCAA. And that dates back to a huge case with the Supreme Court back in the 1980s that essentially eventually paved the way college football had a bizarre postseason <laughs> setup forever where, you know, there were like four national championships in one year, depending on who won what bowls, like just a different kind of sport altogether. But eventually you got the BCS. Now you have the CFP and college football has its own autonomy to run that outside the purview of the NCAA. The men's NCAA tournament is the only money-making operation for the NCAA. The women's NCAA tournament, which is making huge strides and could eventually be a moneymaker, it loses money. The men's NCAA tournament is the only thing that makes money that the NCAA runs, and it makes so much money that it basically affords hundreds and hundreds of schools to be able to field scholarship sports by the dozens across the country there. So a lot of people are very in tune and aware of how good the product is right now and not wanting to fuss with it too much. You add more teams, you add more games, you add more logistics, you add a lot more costs, you add a lot more travel. And the value proposition of going from 68 to 80 plus 90, 
there's there are a lot of people that think that actually monetarily that would not be a good thing that you're not going to make a lot more money you might end up winding up losing more money and then actually the schools that might wanting to be get involved in this because of the way the money gets split up with the tournament it actually makes you go backward financially at least in the short term there i do think down the road years and years from now going from 68 to 72 on the table maybe 72 to 76 i do think that compromise could eventually be happening but just based off of conversations i've had with a lot of people there is it's not just like we we don't really see a a a lot of upside in expanding right now there are people invested in this tournament gp who are I would say pretty dug in on their heels about not wanting to expand. So we might look up might in a year or two and see that whole expansion thing that that was the, the baseball tournament, the softball tournament, the lacrosse that might that stuff might might apply in men's basketball. I, I, I'm not saying I'm like a lone voice in this because I'm not, but I'm just I'm I'm very skeptical based off of my conversations that there will be any significant and major NCAA tournament expansion at any point in the next decade. And that's what I wanted you to say and explain, because I think people, some people yesterday see the tweets and it says NCAA tournament is going to be allowed to expand up to 90. And and that gets um, translated into, oh, wow, the NCAA tournament is going to expand to 90. And as you just explained, um, that that's not only is that not necessarily true, it is it is probably not true. Uh, so just given the attention that got yesterday in the past 24 hours, I, I thought it was a reasonable place to, to, to start and, and address. I don't want to spend much more time on it, but I, but I will say this. I'm personally not somebody who believes expansion of the NCAA tournament will ruin college basketball. It, it's never ruined the NBA or the NFL, or Major League Baseball, or the World Cup, or anything else. So when you hear somebody say the NCAA tournament expanding would ruin college basketball, they're, they're being overdramatic. I think their heart's in a good place, because I agree with them in the sense that it's not good for college basketball. But based on history of other sports, the idea that playoff expansion, which is what this would be, would ruin the sport, that, that's simply untrue but but what is true is that the ncaa tournament does not need to expand to make sure all the good teams are in we already put average teams in the bracket every year i promise you good teams really don't get left out we don't need more average teams and either way basing an argument in favor of ncaa tournament expansion on the idea that you need to include 25 percent of 363 teams is just super silly especially when around a third of those 363 teams and maybe more don't matter at all. Hopefully the smart people with power in the sport understand as much. I trust that they do, but if they don't and they do make a move on this thing, they will be moving the sport of college basketball in the wrong direction. Let's move on. It's been a wild couple of nights in the sport. We're going to touch on, Some of these interesting developments next, but first a word from our partners. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline.
a reminder, if you want, you can now email the show, shouts2cbs at gmail.com, shouts2cbs at gmail.com. We are loving the responses we've gotten, the emails, the correspondence, the questions. Continue sending them. You can send in a video if you'd like, 10 to 15 second video, ask a question, name, city, town, get out. We'll try and drop those in going forward on the show, on the YouTube channel. Continue to send us stuff. We love hearing from you. And thank you, as always, for subscribing. So it's been a wild couple of nights in college basketball. Let me run you through some of these results. Number one, Purdue lost Monday night at home uh, to Rutgers, 65-64. Then on Tuesday night, number six, Texas, lost at home to Kansas State, 116-103. And number 11, Virginia, lost at Pitt, 68-65. And then number 21, New Mexico, lost at Fresno State, 71-67, to leave us with zero undefeated teams remaining in college basketball dev leg question is this anarchy or is this just college basketball uh, <laughs> i think it's anarchy i personally believe that it's anarchy oh I, you know what i'm with you i'm with you and anarchy and uh and cbb just barely beat our january one prediction deadline by the way rutgers takes it down by the way rutgers Per my research, and I, I dug into this pretty more time than I needed to. If if you have facts to prove me otherwise, come find me. But I don't think this is uh, Rutgers is the first school ever, ever to knock off the to be responsible for ending an undefeated season of a conference foe when that conference foe was what top ranked in the country in back-to-back seasons. They did it to Purdue last season. Did it to Purdue again this season. Shouts to Rutgers. Shouts to Jersey Mike's. Shouts to the real rack there. And somebody thinks he's Jared Burson. Not me. That's you. You are over here acting. You're over here doing a Jared Burson impersonation on the podcast. I've been, I've been digging up stats. Where the hell do you think trivia time came from, man? Okay. Well, predates. Uh, well, predates JB. No doubt about it. <laughs> that was... That was more shocking to me than New Mexico losing on the road to a sub 500 Fresno State team. I thought Purdue was going to handle business, even though Rutgers is the better team. Uh, Purdue's, Purdue's better than, than New Mexico. And yeah, we've had, uh, we've had some good noise here. Now, without having an undefeated team left, it's a, a small thing, not a major thing. Like we, it normally doesn't happen this early. There was uh, a lot of people shared this stat, and I actually semi-regularly documented this for the site, uh, but I had not updated this since 2020. Um, the last unbeaten team normally lasts until late January. We obviously had Gonzaga get all the way to the title game in 21. Kentucky made it to the Final Four in 15. So to have it be this early is unusual. And we just have we just have a storyline that's not there anymore. Like you get a team or two that can get into mid-January with a bagel in the L column. That's always a good thing, a fun thing, speculation on how long it'll go. But that's just off the table now. And I think what we're going to have is I think we'll probably have every team that gets to the tournament is going to have for sure at least three losses. There's the potential... There's a potential, and I'd, I'd be interested. In Houston? That. You think Houston's going to have three losses? Yeah, I'll say Houston three. I, I think mean, they might. The only one. But I'm not sure. I think they got a chance. They got, they're the one, else. They're yeah, the one that's got the best chance, obviously, because they are, um, you know, in some ways, uh, it, you could reasonably argue the best team, and they play in the American Athletic Conference. Gonzaga already has three. Stands to reason Gonzaga will drop one more if you're 
if you if your mind you're thinking, well, Gonzaga they only have two, but they run the table. They've already got they've already got three. Houston's the one that could do it. I actually think the results here will help Houston get a one seed eventually. But everyone else, I mean, we've got twelve one loss teams right now. We'll just have a tournament. If everyone does have at least four losses, I don't know how often that's happened since we went to sixty four and eighty five. Jared Person does. Um, if we've had how many tournaments we've had where every team in the field has had at least four losses there. And that, and to that, to me, it won't indicate that there isn't a great team. And that'll be a, another trope that gets trotted out there and whatever. I actually think there's still the chance for the likes of Houston, Arizona, Kansas, UConn, UCLA, you know, that I think there's, there are teams out there, maybe Alabama, Tennessee, that could actually like genuinely become great teams, but yeah, we've had uh, we've had some some upsets and some surprises there, and and I, I do I do enjoy it, GP. There's there's just a, there's a lot of intriguing and surprising storylines that come with all this stuff. Like we're gonna get to K State, and just, you know, when you look at the teams that are that are have gaudy records and they just aren't often in this kind of spot, there it brings a little bit more spice. And I think we've actually got a little more intrigue with a lot of these league races as we you know introduce 2023 and, and get ready to really uh, get going with league play in earnest. I got this from Andy tool and CBS sports researcher. Um, Start Le- shouting out our guy. Okay. Cause that's, that's, that's the real one right there. I know, but I just think it's funny pretending that Jared Burson is ESPN stats and info, even though he doesn't work there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I just like doing that. I, that's, I, that's where I get my own pleasure. This is the second earliest that every team has lost a game in the past 45 seasons. The only earlier date came in 2017-18 when everybody had at least one loss on December 30th. And that is the byproduct of Purdue losing on Monday night and uh, New Mexico losing late uh, Tuesday. By the way, the definition of anarchy is a state of disorder due to the absence or non-recognition of authority or other controlling systems. Think about this. Mark Emmert on the way out. Right now, the NCAA, basically toothless. That's an absence of authority. Was Emmert ever an authority? He thought he was. Remember what he tried to do to Penn State? I mean, listen. He thought he was for a second. You can think a lot of things. Thought doesn't equate to reality. So so there, right now, there is a non-recognition of authority. And it has created a state of disorder. That's anarchy. What we're living through right now is anarchy. So with all due respect to my friend and colleague, John Rothstein, um, he needs to update the tweet. It needs to say, is this anarchy? And then just, yeah, it is. It is. Anarchy. It, it, it is anarchy. It actually is anarchy. Uh, can we talk some of Tuesday's, Tuesday night's surprising ones here? You talk about whatever you want. Let's do it. Well, I, how about you? I tee you up. You hmm. were in studio. I was. Okay, so Kansas gets a close one. I'll, I'll run it down, and then you tell me you're, the one you want to talk about most is maybe the one that uh, might have inspired the most chatter in uh, in the bullpen in the green room there at the CBS Sports uh, studios there. Kansas wins by three at Texas Tech in a really, really good game that Tech almost came back and stole. Um, Marquette continues to just make me look like an idiot. Shouts to Marquette. Obviously, GP hates that fan base. Uh, Pittsburgh goes... Uh, and gets to four and zero for the first time in its, in its in its history in this conference in the ACC. It's it joined a decade ago. Had never been four and zero. Started four and zero. Beats Virginia, and in doing so, gets obviously an emotional win for that school. 
in light of what happened Monday night, you know, in Cincinnati with Demar Hamlin, who played football at Pitt. And actually, that that game itself. I mean, Virginia. You you watched it. You saw the UVA strong shirts, and that program has also been affected uh, by a tragedy uh, of a different kind uh, with its football program there. So actually, like you know. Two programs uh, coincidentally wound up meeting that that have been impacted by uh, by things with their football counterparts at that at that university, even though they are um, different instances altogether. There, good win for Pitt, though. I think that's uh, what is Pitt. Well, we're starting to find out. Um, Kansas State. Shouts to Andy Tulin for this one too. Bring up the stat he, he dropped here. It wins one sixteen, one oh three at Texas, and it's not just that it dropped one sixteen. It was the most points, second most points scored in a regulation game on the road against a top 10 team in the past 73 years. The only other instance of this being worse for a home top 10 team was when Oral Roberts obviously dropped 122 on sixth ranked Oklahoma back in 88. I remember that one when Oral Roberts won 152 to 122. I remember must have been a 97 possession game there. Uh, Kansas State doing that remaining one loss. It will be in my power rankings when they refresh on Thursday. Have to give them shouts there. And then New Mexico obviously ends its undefeated run by losing against Fresno State. Those were probably the biggest. Kentucky did. He got a win. Looked pretty decent. LSU had a good fight, 74-71. I suppose that's also notable. But to you, are you with me? As much as I want to say Pitt, Texas was playing extremely well, and that's a road game. Kansas State has one loss at Butler more than a month ago. It's got seven wins in a row. It's 13 and one. And holy crap, that, like that win is is good enough to make me really twist my perception of what K-State is, GP, because before this, I thought it's going to have a shot, probably be involved, but eventually going to the NIT. Maybe that still winds up happening. They got to go play Baylor on the road this week. But winning like that at Texas, I, I, I am looking at that team in Jerome Tang in a different way than I was before. And listeners of the podcast, you know, could have been surprised by that. But GP, if you just listen to the Sunday episode, GP extolled the virtues of, of one Jerome Tang and how good of a job he's doing. It really set up well for what they did on Tuesday night. I want to touch on most of those things. But to answer the question you asked directly, the thing that got the most attention in the broadcast center was Kansas State, not just winning at Texas, but like dominating Texas at Texas really from start to finish. And among the reasons it got the most attention is because our host was the great Brent Stover, who is a Kansas state graduate and a diehard Kansas state fan. You know, he was a student athlete there. He was a, a he ran cross country. He was a competitive jogger um, in the big 12. He, he jogged competitively. And so he like lives and die with Kansas state. And over the weekend he died you know, when Kansas State had to play Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, that was death. Um, but, uh, you know, these past two games with the men's basketball program have been unbelievable. And Saturday night, they uh, beat West Virginia in overtime to get what I think you can reasonably cause the first big, big notable win of the season. And then they back it with a truly shocking uh, performance at at Texas. Now we might look back and go, OK, then maybe that wasn't so shocking. Maybe we just didn't know. But I don't think anybody thought Kansas state's going to go to the Moody center and not just beat Texas, but like beat them bad. And what was most interesting about it's like, they're up 20, you know, and then Texas, there was a few times in that second half where Texas made a run. 
And it was like, okay, here we go. And as soon as Texas made the run, Kansas State pushed it back up to 15. Like they kept pushing it back, creating separation, and Texas never seriously threatened. And so Kansas State, to me, is now one of the biggest stories in the sport. This is a program that won 14 games all of last season. They've got 13 wins already this season. And like I explained on a previous episode, this is not really a deal where you know the new staff is winning with the old staff's players. Uh, seven of the top eight scores at Kansas State right now are players who were not in the program last season. They are players that Jerome and his staff enrolled in a matter of months and have built into this really nice thing. Kansas State started 77th at Ken Palm. As of this moment, they're up to number 31. They've got big wins over Texas, West Virginia. They're up to 18th in the net, number eight in KPI, 27th at Torvik. And I put them, I ran them all the way from unranked on Tuesday morning to 13th in the top 25 and one on Wednesday morning. And that sounds a- like it sounds like anarchy to me. I told you we're, we're experiencing anarchy right now. But like when you look at the resume, because I can acknowledge that is a big jump for January of 2023, but or any year. But when you look at the resume, like I don't know what you do with them, except put them way up there. They're three and one in quadrant one with zero losses outside of the first quadrant. They beat the Texas team at Texas that smashed Gonzaga, beat the LSU team that beat Arkansas, beat the West Virginia team that's you know, top 25 at Kempom. I'm going to respect the resume. And when you start to look at it a little closer, they got good players. This isn't like, man, I don't know how these players are doing this thing. Keontae Johnson was the preseason SEC player of the year before he was sidelined by a medical condition at Florida. He's now averaging 18.4 points and 6.9 rebounds per game. So the guy who was once a preseason SEC player of the year is Kansas State's current leading scorer. Marquise Noel is averaging 15.9 points, 8.5 assists, 2.5 steals. He has been awesome and was like crazy awesome at Texas. Desi Sills was a rotation player for an Elite Eight team at Arkansas. Kansas State has good players. And it seems pretty clear to me they've got a a good team and maybe a great team. You know, listen, they were – I, I, I went and looked at the preseason Big 12 poll. They were predicted to finish last. I went and looked at our Big 10, Big 12 projections. Every one of us picked them to finish last. And they still might. That's important to understand. Every school in the Big 12 is in the top 45 at Ken Palm. A quality team is going to have to finish last. And it might still be Kansas State, but I think we can agree on this. At this point, doesn't look like it's going to be Kansas State. It looks like Kansas State has got a um, an NCAA tournament team. And that is incredible work uh, by Jerome and his staff, given what they inherited and um, and the league in which they have to compete in. Staying in the Big 12, Kansas is now 13 and one will move to number one in my power rankings on Thursday. Does that align with what you have in your latest top 25 and one are the Jayhawks now your number one team? No, 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 no. Why, why would I just jump them all the way up to number one? I'm I'm setting it up for the listeners. Oh, I uh, no, I still have Kansas at number five. And if you want to argue, they should be number two. Oh boy, they're they're coming for you now. <laughs> I didn't realize they were five. Yeah. Well, by not. the time by the time yeah. I pointed out that Bryce Thompson got hit in the head on Saturday, and now Kansas, according to some Kansas fans, are slightly 
Um, they think they're underrated. It's so funny to me. I get these wild tweets. Like, I'll do a five-minute monologue about how Bill Self is the greatest coach in college basketball, and it's not even debatable. And then I'll say – doesn't matter. Uh, Bryce Thompson did get hit in the head. And they're like, Bryce Thompson didn't get hit in the head. The Kansas bias still exists, huh, Parrish? I'm like, what are you talking? What are you talking about? Yep. What, what, are, what are you? Are you people crazy? And the answer, of course, is they are crazy. But it's understandable because, we, you know, we're dealing with anarchy right now. It makes people crazy. It makes people crazy. So I've um, my top five right now is Houston at one, UConn at two, Purdue at three, Arizona four, Kansas five. But I, I, at this point, you could put those five schools in basically any order. There's no I love there's, saying this. You love it. This is your thing this year. You I, put I think it's these true. Four schools. You put these five schools in any order, and I'm not going to argue with you. You love it. It's anarchy. You love this it. is the byproduct of anarchy. I think you just say, you know what? You can put these 363 schools in any order, and basically you can make an argument. That's I don't even acknowledge at least a third of those schools. I don't even acknowledge uh, they exist. They might as well all be on the Pac-12 network. Those at least a third of Division One schools, as far as I'm concerned, play on the Pac-12 network every night. I don't even acknowledge them. Question for you here. All right, Kansas State is three and one in quad one. Pitt is four and one in quad one. Now Pitt is eleven and four. Kansas State has only lost one game. Kansas State plays in the tougher conference. Pittsburgh won't have any quad one opportunities, but it might have more ability to to move. You know, move up and and maybe establish itself in an NCAA tournament resume. Pitt is sixty fourth at Ken Palm right now. Let me bring up real quick. Net rankings. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna say Pitt is 48 in that. I'm gonna just blind guess. Ooh, 68. 68 in the net. I was gonna say right now, more likely, Pitt or K State in the NCAA tournament. Considering the slope that K State will have to climb, which one would you lean? I'm gonna still I would lean toward Kansas State. Um I, I think yeah, I think the octagon of doom uh, will provide an incredible home court advantage. And at this point, it, it ain't like they gotta like eight and ten probably does it in the Big Ten, twelve, doesn't it? Whoo, yeah, with where they are now, yeah, with where they are right now. Like, hey, hey and 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 they're two and zero. Oh, all right, so how about this? Can you go six and ten in the Big Twelve the rest of the way? That's probably good enough. So I would, I would lean I toward Kansas State. Think, oh man, yeah. can you go six and ten the rest of the way? I would say they need seven wins, one way or another. Get get one in the Big Twelve tournament. I. No one, as always, no team exists in a vacuum when it comes to tournament selection. But this far out, seven wins, you get to twenty with K State, you're gonna be you're gonna be dancing there. Pitt is is equally as good of a story right now, though. Just to have this team, I said on HQ this morning, I I don't know if this team will make the tournament, but it's not going to be one of the two or three worst teams in the ACC. And bizarrely, that's where this team was. I did catch uh, one of your hits on CBS Sports Network on Tuesday, GP. And you just reminded viewers that, you know, this was a school once upon a time making 13 straight NCAA tournaments, you know, out of the big. <laughs> well, East. It was it, it was technically it was 13 times in a 15 year span. That's what it was. That's yeah. What it was. And and like it's easy for as bad as Pitt was under Kevin Stallings and frankly has been in recent years. It, it might be easy for younger folks to to just assume, well, I guess Pitt's just always been bad, but that's not true. Pitt made the NCAA tournament 13 times in a 15-year span from 2002 to 2016 under Ben Howland and Jamie Dixon. And how about this? Haven't been back to the tournament since 2016. Uh Haven't even had a winning record since 2016. 
but now they're 11 and four, got wins over Virginia, North Carolina, four and one in quadrant one opportunities. Uh, has it happened a little slower for Jeff Capel than I would have guessed? Yes. And I think Jeff would agree with that statement. But it looks like he's got this in a good place um, right now. You know, in early January, as always, a lot of stuff can change. There's twists and turns to every season. But if I'm a Pitt fan, I'm, I'm fired up right now. And if I'm a Kansas State fan, I'm fired up right now. And neither one of those fan bases thought in the preseason that they would have a, a reasonable reason to be fired up on January 4th. Pitt beats UNC. Anarchy. You have my curiosity. Pitt beats Virginia. You have my attention. Both right. those were home wins. And we'll see where it goes. Just a nice early January story. And we, we will get there, whether it's Pitt, Kansas State, or another two or three teams, LSU, Missouri, go on down the list of, of surprises we have at the power conference level. There will be teams that get into the tournament this season that weren't there yet last year, haven't been there three, four years, and that's always part of the fun of it. But yeah, I think on Tuesday night, Pitt and K-State were the two biggest winners, although Kansas kind of continuing to get it done. Certainly, the reigning national champs just continue to roll that way. And then I won't I won't dismiss, like we don't have to spend really much time on this because we'll have plenty of other opportunities to talk balls, but I won't dismiss you know, Tennessee just not even messing around with Mississippi State. God. 53. Like, it was not a game. Man. Like, there is something to be said, even though that's not, you can't keep that up over the entire course of the month. But every so often, when you play a conference foe and it's, you know, a top 50 level team and it just, you're just done. Get out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. And they just blew them out. At least something to be said for that. And in addition to Kentucky winning a close one, doing it the way it did Jacob Toppin with another good game. So I acknowledge those as well, but they just weren't, they weren't as noisy or as resonant, at least to me, as the Pitt and K State wins. Yeah. Like I am glad when I was ranking Mississippi State earlier in the season based on the fact that the Bulldogs were undefeated and had, I think it was, I'm going off the top of my head here, like a, a win over maybe the Marquette team that had a good win and a win over the Utah team that had a good win over Arizona. Like they hadn't beaten anybody, but they had beaten people that had beaten people and they were undefeated. So I was like, well, that's, that's a resume that deserves to be ranked. But I did always preface it with, Hey, we don't know how good Mississippi state is, but like based on what they've done and the zero on the loss column, they deserve to be ranked right now. And, um, it's going the wrong way right now. They've on a three game losing streak. Uh, they lost that uh, neutral court at Pinnacle Bank, I believe, to Drake. And then, you know, you got two S tough SEC games that back that up. And so once you lost the Drake game, they were probably headed for a three game losing streak. But getting smacked like that, I think it was 16 nothing to start the game. And like Tennessee was shooting above 60% at the half. I mean, it was really, really lopsided from start to finish. So, um, not surprised that Tennessee won. Tennessee's good. Surprised that, yeah. I, frankly, I'm just surprised anytime SEC game is that lopsided. I don't even care who's playing in it. Like SEC games aren't typically going to be that lopsided, uh, particularly one involving um, the losing team being, you know, ranked at you know earlier in this same season. And then of course the night all leads to the the standalone game at 11 p.m. Eastern, where we had the final undefeated team, New Mexico, going to Fresno State. And uh, that kept us in studio till uh, somewhere between 1.30 and, and 2 a.m. And New Mexico loses to a 5-8 and eight team. Uh, Fresno State entered the game ranked 250th in adjusted offensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm, and then shot 50% from the field 
against New Mexico. And that really changes New Mexico's resume in a, in a way that I, I think makes them like, I, I believe this should be true. I don't know if it will be true, but New Mexico state, I mean, New Mexico rather uh, should go from being the last undefeated team in division one to unranked in the AP poll in a matter of days. I moved them out of the top 25 and one on Wednesday morning because now, you know, they've only got two wins in the first two quadrants and they've got a quadrant three loss. This Fresno state loss is a bad loss. Um, best win is over unranked St. Mary's St. Mary's is the one that's got like, they're really high in some of the predictive metrics, but like you look at it and I understand predictive metrics is its own thing. But every time when I'm looking for schools to add to a list of possible top 25 and one um, members, I, I, you know, I get to St. Mary's and I go, yeah, no, that doesn't look like something I would rank right now. So the best win is over an unranked St. Mary's, but I can acknowledge St. Mary's is good in the predictive metrics. Zero additional wins over teams in the top 50 of the net. So, yeah, I dropped New Mexico completely out of the top 25 and one. Am I cruel for that or can you make sense of it? No, I think that's probably fair. I haven't fully finished my power rankings for tomorrow, but I would think I'll drop New Mexico out after a loss like that, just because of how bad Fresno State is. No, I think that's that's probably fair. I haven't I don't have their schedule up in front of me. If they if they have a decent opponent next and they win, uh, it's conceivable they might they Well might the the good, the good news is that this year in the Mountain West, I believe oh, the Mountain yeah. West is like fifth in the net right now among conferences. And you're gonna get games with San Diego State. You're gonna get games with Utah State. So you're going to get some quality games in there to offset this Fresno State loss, but it doesn't mean the Fresno State loss isn't a, a, a horrendous loss, all things considered, if you are trying to be a, a top 25 team in America. Yeah, that's right. And New Mexico is uh, still a good story. We'll see if they can keep, you know, if they can keep pace in the Mountain West. If they can finish top three in that league, they will be in the tournament. Let's talk. Let's look ahead here, GP. Let's talk Wednesday night games. To you, there's, a, there's plenty to get to. But I think there are three that would be in the running for most intriguing to me. And okay, let's see if I can guess them. Trivia time. And there's no actual trivia. factual answer. It's just like, I got to no, guess no. what you're thinking. Okay, okay it, here we go. You ready? Yep, let's do it. Missouri at Arkansas. Yes. I mean, Missouri has obviously been a tremendous story under Dennis Gates. Um, let's, so let's go see what you can do with Bud Walton. That's right. TCU at Baylor. No doubt about it. TCU, great in the predictive metrics. I do have TCU in the top 25 and one. Hadn't really done anything. And, and I mean, they've won a lot of games. I mean, they won a lot of games. I should really like, you know, they, they, but they do have a bad loss on the resume, but two of their top three scores uh, didn't play in that game. I think Mike Miles didn't play in that game. And, um, Damian Baum, a little homie from Memphis, didn't play in didn't play in that game, so it, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. But you can sort of um, explain it away. But they're like they're not good in the predictive metrics. Um, but you know, I guess they've beaten Tech. They beat Texas Tech. They have four top Texas Tech is moments. okay. Have four top Let me rephrase. Moments. They've done okay. something. They've okay. done something. Noted Horn Frog Hater. But zero wins over currently ranked teams right now. How about that? And a loss on the resume to Northwestern State. So, like, this is an opportunity to be like, okay, let's go, let's go win a game against a quality opponent, against a ranked opponent on the road. And um, so that, that makes that game intriguing. So, two are Missouri at Arkansas, TCU at Baylor. And then I think the other one, UConn at Providence. 
No doubt about it. Yes. That's a win in trivia time. That's a win in trivia time. It's not. Uh, Anarchy. It's, yeah, that's anarchy. UConn at Providence, 8.30 Eastern, Fox Sports 1. You've got TCU at Baylor at 9 on ESPN 2. And then Missouri at Arkansas is a 9.30 Eastern SEC Network tip. Those are the three biggest there. UConn in the midst of a very intriguing stretch. Lost on Saturday at Xavier. Now it's at Providence. We'll get a Creighton team at home this weekend. That could be that could be pretty interesting overall. And then it will go at Marquette next Wednesday there. So Husky started 14 and 0. And I would say the odds are that they're gonna they're gonna have two losses by the time uh, we get to eight days from now. Providence, Creighton, Marquette. At least one. If they lost two more, I, it wouldn't even be like UConn <laughs> UConn fans start feeling themselves in a hurry. I understand that because you've you want your program to be at the level where we should be winning 14 out of our first 15 games uh, in most years. Illogical as that may be, um, point I'm making here is if they draw, if they lose tonight at Providence and then they lose at Marquette, while those would be road games and all, all three losses in that instance would be road losses if they were to beat Creighton at home this weekend in Connecticut, they'd still be uh, be freaking out a little bit. But that's, that's a really, really good game there. Uh, Matchup-wise, Providence... It, it doesn't have it just doesn't have the roster that UConn does. Now, Bryce Hopkins has been one of the top 10 transfers in the country this season. He's been outstanding. And Ed Croswell has played extremely well alongside Devin Carter. I would say Jared Bynum hasn't even been as good. The big returning guy for Providence as as I thought he would be there. But that building, I think they call it the amp now, whatever. It's the dunk. The dunk is going to be an incredible environment here on uh, on Wednesday night. Very, very much looking forward to, to watching that game. Baylor, I just want to see if it can respond to the bad loss it took against Iowa State. Is it going to come out? Got the home court? Let's see what you can do in this spot here uh, against a TCU team. That does. GP's right. Like It's just got a little more to prove. Won't be expected to win, but let's see if they can... But- can- keep it competitive but i i but i should like i i, I want to correct myself like if we were recording this i would uh, say hey let's stop and go back they they have done something i like my initial thought was hadn't done anything i think that's what i said that's not true they've done something but they haven't beaten a currently ranked team all season and they got an opportunity to do that on wednesday night missouri at arkansas as you mentioned i'll i have a note uh and today's court report about Nick Smith Jr. I spoke to some NBA front office folks, just speculation out there that he might just not return. Now I talked to Musk as well for the piece and he's obviously very hopeful. He's just dealing with a knee issue. That's been, uh, that's been plaguing him a bit and no one really knows uh, if he's going to come back or not. Now clutch sports is running Nick Smith NIL stuff. And in talking to a few NBA people, they, said, listen, you, you go back to the history of how clutch sports generally handles this kind of stuff. Like there are definitely put it this way. There are front office evaluators who are not expecting to see Nick Smith ever play college basketball again. They, I'm not outright predicting that. I actually think he will suit up again. But the people that are paid to scout this sport, build franchises, um, they are skeptical at this point because he has had two instances where he has sat out because of a knee, and we are talking about a lock top ten. The other point I make in the court report is it's just a it's a bummer. And like Nick Smith is a tremendous basketball player, and for Arkansas to get a like Arkansas had pros, don't get me wrong, but for Arkansas to have you know a, a guy who's local be this good, you know potential top five pick, and he's played five games. I mean, he's from Jacksonville, Arkansas, 
it's just it's it's a little bit of a more than a little bit. It's a, it's a major bummer. He's the latest in a line of of just five star one and done lottery pick talents who didn't bypass college. They went to college and we just we didn't get to see a lot of them. Right. Shane Sharp never got on the court. James Wiseman was injury, but he played their three games. Ky- go back to Kyrie Irving played like nine games at, at Duke. Think about uh, who else? Uh, Michael Porter Jr. Barely got on the floor. Right. So there have just been times where we've had these, you know, highly touted players that have chosen to go to college. And for one reason or another, they just the majority of their time there, they just they never got on the floor. So I hope he returns. There's just no timetable for that to happen. This is a big game. Musselman also told me, you know, a lot of what we wanted to do on offense this year was built around Nick shooting and uh, Trevon Brazil's uh, capabilities. Brazil's out for the year with an ACL. Arkansas is a bad three-point shooting team. They don't take a lot and they don't make a lot there. Missouri, conversely, is third in the country in points per game. They're dropping almost 90 a night, have the fourth per possession offense. And that is a... While I'm excited for UConn Providence, Mizzou at Arkansas is the game that I'm tuning in for because I want to see if Missouri, on the heels of beating Illinois, beating Kentucky... Neither of those were road games. Illinois always a true neutral situation with bragging rights. Go into Bud Walton against a good Arkansas team that is shorthanded. How are they going to show up in this one? I expect a fast-paced game. I, I I would love and I think there's a decent chance that this one actually gets decided in the 90s there. And we have given Missouri plenty of love. It's not like they're just bursting onto the scene here. But you go and do this. If you win at Arkansas and get to 13-1 and one and still don't have a loss in the SC, in the SEC – the profile of that program will ascend to a new level. Uh, if you lose it, completely understandable, and you'll still be in the mix, and you'll still be interesting. We'll still talk about you. We'll still monitor you. But it would be an expected loss, and, and so we kind of carry on. We wait to see what happens. You go in and, and beat Arkansas tonight, Dennis Gates. You do that. Woo! Viable case as a top 15 team in the country if you can pull that off. I have Missouri right now at number 19 in, in the country. Um, so they're, they're already close to that point. And for what it's worth, if you missed this week's uh, dribble handoff, uh, we were asked to hand out uh, midseason coach of the year awards. And I believe David Cobb took first pick. Just just decided he gets to pick first this time, I guess. Didn't even ask, you know, didn't even say, hey, anybody want to go first, which is perfectly fine because David Cobb does the heavy lifting on that and honestly deserves to go first every time if he wants to. He went with Dennis Gates, and uh, no argument for me. If you had All to turn four into of about- were good though. All four of them have a viable case. I went Patino. Who'd you go with? I went Matt Painter, and and Kyle Boone went with Dan Hurley. All of those should be coach of the candidates right now. Yes, sure. And and now, like if we were doing it today, somebody would go Jerome Tang. You'd you go would- Jamie Dixon. Yeah, <laughs> you'd probably go. I do love Jamie Dixon, <laughs> and I and I love TCU. I'm a horn frog. No, 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 no. Look no. at me. No, I'm no. a horn frog. You take that back into the lab. <laughs> take it back into the lab. But you, you, yeah, not closer, but not. People don't realize a sun devil impression is not that different than a horn frog impression. They just learned that. People don't know that. That's not something people know. I can hear the cries from Fort Worth already. Yep. People don't. Really, people you don't. Really. Just put a, that, yeah. You might have just put a. Hex oh, by the way, I should let you know. After I had to remove New Mexico, 
and I had to find a new team for the top 25 and one. I removed two teams and I had to add two teams. One of them, obviously, Kansas State. You know who I put back in the top 25 and one? Choo! Choo! Illinois. Didn't you try and commandeer the Purdue? Didn't that just happen on Sunday and they lost? Yes, you're a, t- you're a train terrorist. That's what you are. I'm not very you're good. You're a train it. terrorist. I'm not very good at driving trains. A lot of coming off a big win over Bethune Cookman. Okay. That was enough? Yeah, they bounced back from that humiliating loss with a nice performance against Bethune Cookman. Honestly, if you look at Illinois' resume and you just forget that you watched them just get run completely off the tracks by me, mm-hmm. uh, the resume's still wor- worthy. And so I've got a lot the Illini back in the top 25 and one. So we went through Wednesday night, Thursday night. Um, hold, on, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's a few oh. more. I just want to give people a heads up. Wednesday is stacked. We did the three Wednesday biggest ones. Duke at NC State. Yep. Just keep Ken Bond says Duke by two. Just keep an eye. That's all I'm saying. Penn State at Michigan. Two programs maybe going in opposite directions there. Michigan need, and Michigan like legitimately needs this win. It's not an NCAA tournament team right now. Can Michigan pull that off? They're going to host. That's a seven o'clock tip. I'd keep an eye out for that. Oklahoma's in desperate need of a win. It's at home against Iowa State. I watched that. Georgia, dude, not a tournament team right now, but Georgia's 10 and three. Mike White getting it done in year one. Auburn is going to Georgia. So potentially there's something to, to learn with that. And then I think Miami's got borderline a top 10 type team in the country. If you really look at what they've done, they're at Georgia Tech. Should be a win. But just um, scooting up uh, rankings potentially, and then North Carolina needs to take care of business at home against Wake Forest. That's a nine o'clock tip on ACC Network. It is a it's loaded. That's even before we. Get the, I think Charleston plays at five on CBS Sports Network. Charleston. I talked to Pat Kelsey also in this week's court report. Stunning stat. I cannot believe this stat. Charleston is ranked right now. Has not the CAA had not had a ranked team. Since Navy in the late 80s. That is unbelievable. Now, VCU and George Mason made the coaches poll GP in the years when they were good, but not the AP. Have not, CAA not had a ranked team in the AP Top 25 since the 80s. Unbelievable. Charleston's there, 23rd this week. Good on them. Um, yeah, they, Charleston will be at North Carolina A&T, and that game will be on CBS Sports Network. I'll be in studio for it. Can we move to Thursday? Let's go. Purdue at Ohio State. Indiana at Iowa. USC at UCLA, those are the three biggest games from my perspective. For sure. Uh, Purdue in a, yeah, could go from undefeated number one team to back-to-back losses, certainly yeah. possible. That game just intrigues me in general because uh, Ohio State um, just has as, as attractive of an offense as, as we've seen in a long time, I believe. Someone, someone asked in the comments earlier in the show if you're still turned on by Chris Holtman's schemes. Uh, feel free to, to noodle <laughs> on that. Indiana at Iowa will note um, Patrick McCaffrey announced on Tuesday. He is taking a leave of absence from playing college basketball uh, was up front and transparent. He's dealing with anxiety issues. And he said, this, I'm not, I'm not at my best. I'm not going to, uh, it's not fair to me or my team. Uh, He did say this is McCaffrey uh, famously and battled cancer as a, as a, as a young man, as a boy. And he said that this leave is not, tied whatsoever to his previous battle with cancer. It's just, it's purely anxiety driven. And so hopefully he's back and feeling good and better soon, but he will not be available for, for that game. And that's, that's a, you know, it's a, it's a key game for uh, in just purely basketball terms. I was dropped four or five and three in a row. And it's, it's got a big opportunity there against Indiana on, on Thursday. That's another, uh, that's another big one there 
And uh, by the way, Maryland plays at Rutgers on Thursday as well. I don't think you mentioned that off the top is in terms of big ones there. But uh, yeah, you see USC, UCLA. That's another that's another good one. Any other things to know what you're looking well, for? I just think like you, you accurately noted, uh, Purdue could go from undefeated ranked number one to, you know, a two loss team in the span of a few days. Um, one of my favorite little goofy, obvious uh, statements, sayings is like, never lose a game. You're supposed to win before you have to play a game you're supposed to lose because that's how you get a two game losing streak. And that is the situation Purdue finds itself in right now. Uh, played a game it was supposed to win on Monday night, lost it. And now at Ohio State, and Ken Palm lists them as a two-point underdog. So, yeah, can they could say, be a two. Can you say that again? What's the thing you like to say? I like to say a lot of stuff. I know, but it, it just... It's, Never lose a game you're supposed to win before you got to play a game you're supposed to lose. Now you got a two-game losing streak. It's got very big um, Princess Bride vibes. You fool! You fell victim to one of the classic blunders. Never get in a land war in Asia and never lose a home game to an unranked team before going on the road at conference play. That, that, you you got to perfect it if you're going to use it. You got to perfect it. Okay. You'd, you'd be driving Nick Saban crazy right now. Nick Saban would not ex- accept that. You know what Nick Saban says? What is Nick he? Saban says, you know what most coaches say? Guys, we're going to keep practicing this till we get it right. We're going to keep practicing this until we get it right. You know what Nick Saban says? You fool. He says, guys, we're going to keep practicing this till we never get it wrong. We're not going to keep practicing it till we get it right. We're going to keep practicing it till we never get it wrong. I need that same energy for your just brutal horn frog impression. Keep practicing. Look at me. I'm a horn frog. That ain't it. Never lose a game you're supposed to win before you have to play a game you're supposed to lose. That's how you end up in a two-game losing streak. Dead leg. History shows that. Never lose a game you're supposed to win before you play a game you're supposed to lose. That's right. And never get involved in a land war in Asia. All that's true. I think all that's true. That's all I got. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you for listening once again to the Iron College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple's podcast and Spotify. Five stars. Leave a nice review at Apple. There's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments. So please do that. We're going to talk to you again on Friday. Till then, take care.